All right, well, today is Super Bowl Sunday. Can I get a whoop whoop? Okay, that's good. I didn't expect that. All right, all right. I was going to say, can everybody give me a go Rams? Well, Carrie's smiling over there because Carrie and I are like the only two Ram fans. Anybody, anybody else is a Ram fan? Closet? Oh, okay. Norm- all, right, all right, are you? Oh, wow. Robert's with me up there. Okay, yeah, Robert's like, I'm with you, Pastor. Okay, all right. Well, I just happen to be a 42-year Ram fan, so I know you would think that's strange coming from Stanford, Connecticut, but the Giants were terrible, so I went on the Ram wagon, wagon, and when I did on the Ram wagon, it's because Jack Youngblood was incredible back then, and they just happened to have a very good team. So, so uh, this is exciting for me. It's been about 17, 18 years. Kerry can, and everyone else who's a Rams fan can be excited to see that... Um, you know, hey, this is an exciting Sunday. But we're not here just to celebrate Super Bowl Sunday. We're here to celebrate the Lord. So let's take a moment and pray um, as we uh, enter into Joshua 3 and ask God to uh, speak to us uh, reg- regarding this passage. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your incredible love for us. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who died on the cross for our sin. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that lives in us. Thank you that you never give up on us, Lord. You give us so many chances. You're a gracious, loving, merciful God who gives us hope every day. And Lord, I thank you that in light of this, this only not only this church, but in our lives, you have shown yourself to be merciful again. Because this is your church. These are your people. This is your word. This is your gospel. This is your special revelation to us. You spoke verbally to your people in the Old Testament. But you made it known to us today in the 21st century to know this is your very words to us. Thank you that we know they're inerrant without error. They're inspired by you, God, to us. And today we pray that you would encourage us to come before you with that surrendered heart, to know that this is all yours, humbly before you, saying thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So we've been traveling down this road of Joshua, and we have, uh, this is the third part of what we've been calling a sermon series called Forward, because we want to understand that with the Israelites moving from, from Mount Sinai, even prior from Egypt, walking through and traveling through the wilderness, that they had to come to a place now where Moses is gone. Joshua is now the new leader. Joshua is under, as an assistant to Moses, he was able to see what God was doing. God um, used Moses as a mentor in the life of Joshua. He was then able to carry on a good two million people closer toward this promised land that God has promised to generations before the Israelites. So we see this picture, this narrative, it's moving forward. And we see that because God is moving his people forward. Even when you and I as his people, we get sluggish and we don't want to move forward, we we start to struggle a bit. God's always moving us forward with hope. He's carrying us through the difficult times in our lives. And here are people who are walking walking toward this unfortunate situation that they had to face another river. Not a sea, but a river. 
They saw God's hand by parting a sea, and now they had to come to a river called the Jordan River. Now, we have to look at that from the background. Where they were at Shittim, they were seven miles before the Jordan, and Jericho was seven miles after the Jordan. Now, I looked it up on Google, and I said, boy, how long would it take for me to walk seven miles? And it would take me about 140 minutes, a little over two hours or so, two hours and 20 minutes. Um, I can drive here quicker than I can walk in seven miles. Now, I won't walk in seven miles because I get older, it gets a little colder, and I have to layer myself up, especially last week when it was in minus degree weather. But if I were to walk that in the summer, I don't think I'd walk any faster. I'd probably walk even a little slower. So I'd give myself another 10, 15, 20 minutes. You guys might think that's crazy, but I like to enjoy a, a brisk walk. So as, as you think about this and the distance and where they're walking to, God has his people set up. Now, most of us would say, okay, God, you've shown us, you promised us this land, you've promised us to move forward, you said that it's, it's already taken care of, you've given it to us. Most of us would think, okay, here it is, go forward and just do what you have to do to move forward. But God, in chapter 3, after the, the narrative of Rahab in the episode we talked about last week, now we see that the people of Israel have been told by God through their leaders to lodge here on the east side of the river. Now, I don't know about you, but a person like me, I'd like to just keep moving. I'm task-oriented. God, give it to me. I'm ready to move the ball forward. But God's saying, no, I want you to lodge. I want you to hang out for a minute. Because it's so important in looking in this passage because it says in verse 1 of chapter 3, and Joshua rose early in the morning and he set out from Shittim. And they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. So there were a lot of people there. It wasn't 150 or 2,000 or 10,000 or 100,000. There were quite a few people there. But now it's not Moses anymore, it's Joshua. And God has appointed a leader to be there to lead them, along with, as we see in verse 2, it says, at the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people as soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it so now you have Joshua the officers and you have the Levitical priests and you have the people of God so you have four sets of people that are there now the people were following God appointed leaders to lead them And now you see the Levitical priests who were the people who would present the Ark of the Covenant, which we know the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament was the presence of God. Today we know we have the presence of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit resides in us until the day of redemption. It's permanent. It's indwelling. Then the Ark of the Covenant would move forward, and that would be the presence of God. So when we look at that and we think about that, I thought about this for a second. And I said, oh, God, why would you have your people sit back and lodge there for a moment? And I prayed, and I've looked at this passage and preached on this passage before. And God will often say to me, I want us to stay, I want you to stay behind me, not ahead of me. I don't want you to get ahead of me thinking you know what's in front of you. I want you to get behind me so I can lead you. Like I said, sometimes a guy like me, I like to get ahead. God's saying, no, you need to slow down and stay behind. And the Holy Spirit often says that to me. And sometimes I don't obey. 
Sometimes what I do is I disobey and I say, no, Lord, I know what you say in your word. I've studied it. I've been a Christian for 30 years. I know what to do next, Lord. You've shown me this in my life already. God's saying, I still want you to remain. But Lord, you promised you'd give me this land. You said I'm going to have it. Let me go. And the Lord's saying, no, I'll be with you. But if you get ahead of me, then you won't enjoy me. See, what God was doing here, he gives us these promises, but he wants to plan a time with us. So I, I asked the question again. I said, how about us as a people of God? How often do we get ahead of God and not behind God? How often do we learn that we have to follow before we lead? And so I think in this passage, in this short passage that we have this morning, is I think there are three ways that we can know whether we are behind God or ahead of God. So I want to share those three things in this passage really quickly because in light of this, this, this context, it's important. Now, first of all, let's look at Exodus 13, 21 and 22. If we don't have 22 up there, I apologize, but I have 21. And it says, They moved on from Sukkoth and encamped at Etham and in the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in the pillar of the cloud to lead them along the way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. So this was after they got out of Egypt. God was following them in the day by cloud and fire by night. And it says that by they traveled by day and by night. And the pillar of the cloud by day and the pillar of the fire by night did not depart from the people of God. Meaning God said, I'm going to be present with you for I will always be with you. Even when you get ahead, I'll still be with you. But you know what? I want you to be behind me because I want to enjoy you. I want a relationship with you. He even said to them in Numbers 10, through 34, it says, so they set out from the Mount of the Lord three days journey. This is after Mount Sinai. And the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord went before them from three days journey to seek out a resting place for them. So see, this is a pattern that God set up. It was, it was a time coming from Mount Sinai. It was a time coming from Egypt. And now they're just going before the Jordan. So God is setting a pattern here. He's saying, I want to spend time with you. So he's showing forth something very important because what he's doing is he's showing his presence. This is called faith. See, we don't know what's in front of us. We don't understand where God's leading us. We're told certain things, but we don't know. But that's faith. See, sometimes what happens is we think faith is I first have to understand it and then I'll believe. God, you got to show me where you're taking me before I can believe you. But that's not faith. Hebrews 11.1 says, for faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Even 11.6, it says, if you can put that up real quickly, guys. For without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever, whoever should, could draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So faith isn't something you understand and then you believe. Faith is something you don't really understand, but you believe God, the creator God who exists and know that he has something planned. When you say you, you believe God and in in who he is and his creator, you believe in his attributes that will never leave you nor forsake you. That will always be before you. That he has his best interest in mind and he happens to tag us along with it. Kind of like when you're a child. You don't think about what's next. You don't know about the bills that mom and dad have to pay. You don't know that it's possible that you can't, your mom and dad can't make the mortgage and you might be evicted from your home. The kids don't know. All they want to know is, is there food on the table? I'm hungry. 
Where's the, t- where's the remote? I want to watch my favorite television show. When Rebecca gets home, what does she do? She sits there and watches TV. Why? To unwind. She don't care about what's next. So it's the first question. Daddy, what's for dinner? Gosh, is that all you want? My son is like, he doesn't, he doesn't ask what's for dinner. He just raids the refrigerator, raids the cupboards. And I'm like, honey, we got to go shopping again. Son went over and started eating all the food again. I can't even eat. I have to ask if I could have something now. You guys think I'm kidding. I have to ask my, my wife made Rice Krispie treats. We're seeing some, we have some kids over, good friends. They have their four kids. So we have seven kids in the house. My wife made Rice Krispie treats. I said, honey, can I have another one? She goes, uh, yes. I said, I just want to check because if I end up eating a few extra, then you're going to yell at me that I ate too many. Why? Because once I have one, I'm just like, they're like potato chips. You just keep popping them in your mouth. See, I don't know what's ahead. We don't know what's ahead. God leads us. That's faith. And that's what we're called to. See, This is what it's saying here. It says, when we begin thinking in a manner, we get ahead of God. How do we know we're getting ahead of God rather than behind God? We want man's approval. We want want man's pleasing rather than God's pleasing. We want a clear, logical step moving before us before we even consider something. We're afraid of failing because we put that pressure on ourselves. We think it's on us to move forward more than it's God who's before us. And failure is not a place we'd like to visit. See, when we're thinking forward, we're afraid of change. Listen, I'm getting a little bit older and I kind of like routine. I don't, I don't like too much change. But I understand too that without change, there's no growth. It really isn't. If I don't get up off the couch too often, I keep eating Something's going to grow. It's called the belt's got to be loosened. The pants have to be ordered a little bit larger. I have got to get those stretchy pants. Because if I don't like to get up and change my position too often, other things are going to grow. But you know what? God's saying to me, I'm not interested in the destination of where you're going to arrive, Bruno. I'm interested in the journey. My desire for you is for you to grow in a relationship with me. So I'm going to change things. I'm going to allow for things to happen. So the first thing I believe when we know we're behind rather than ahead is following God's presence. And that's why it's very clear here. God's saying, I want your presence in my life. He told that to the Israelites. He's telling that to us. That's why he mentioned that at first. So change is hard, but God is is interested in that. Look at verse 4 with me too. Listen to this. This is important. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it. What? The Ark of the Covenant. About 2,000 cubits in length, which is 3,000 feet. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go. For you have not passed this way before. So God's saying, I need to be way ahead of you. Why? Because you don't know what's ahead of you. But I have to keep moving you forward. But Lord, there's change there. That's okay. I got it handled. But Lord, I'm afraid of change. I don't know if I want to see change. God's saying, I will prepare you for that change. But you got to allow me to lead you. And see, when God puts Joshua to command these commands, Joshua's not the one making the commands in and of himself. God's giving him that command to do so. So that's the first thing. The second thing that we know that we're behind God rather than ahead of God is when we follow his commands. Again, let's look back at verse 2 and 3 because we're staying in this passage here. 
At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people. Now, we have to understand some. The officers didn't command in and of themselves. Joshua didn't command the people to stay on the east side of the river. God told Joshua. Joshua obeyed and told the people. Now, Joshua is a leader appointed by God. He's not doing something on his own. He's not saying, hey, guys, it's my plan. Let's get over this Jordan. I have a plan. I'm going to make sure it parts because I'm God and I'm going to handle that. Joshua's not saying that. God, Joshua doesn't even know what's about to happen. Joshua's just following directions. So here he's saying, is like, it's not the command of the leader that's doing it. It's God who's commanding through his leader. And see, in the Old Testament, we know that there are commands of the Old Testament with his prophets. We know in the New Testament, we have the commands of God throughout the scriptures. And we understand, too, that the presence of the Holy Spirit reminds us. But one thing that's important when you're thinking about following God's commands, when you know you're behind God, it's kind of like that parent-child relationship. Now, I don't know about you, but I can imagine everybody here has been a parent for most, most cases. And if you're not, that's okay. You get around some people who are parents, and you'll learn a lot. That's what I did before I became a parent. But a parent-child relationship, if you just demand things of your child and have no relationship with them, I can guarantee you they're not going to be interested in hanging out with you once they leave the house. Because there really isn't a relationship. Now, I'm not advocating you have this buddy-buddy relationship. But if someone's just commanding you without relationship, there really is no relationship. And see, can you imagine if this was God? Does God just tell us to command certain things or he commands things to us and that's it of our relationship? Or is it that we're here because we know he loves us and that he loved us and continues to love us with an unconditional love, that he desires a relationship with us, that he longs for it from the Old Testament to the New Testament. By the stamping of the presence of the Holy Spirit, he's saying, I want a relationship with you. And see, God is saying that, get behind me. And it will be so much easier for us to get behind God when we know that he loves us. Even Jesus said in, in the book of John, he says, you, I will know that you have love for me when you obey my commandments. That's the following of the commandments. It's not a following because God knows better or else. It's a following of a commandment because you know he knows what's best for you and I. But what happens when we get ahead of God? I don't know about you. I'm, I hope you can at least relate to some of this. But sometimes when I get ahead of God and I don't like what he's doing in my life because he expects certain things of me and sometimes they're uncomfortable and he wants me to change, I begin to complain. Um, and I start asking the question, what's in it for me, Lord? Sure, a lot in it for you with your glory, but what's in it for me? Do I get some glory or what? And you might think, wait a minute, really, Bruno? Yes, in the depths of my sinful heart, I can think like that. I could say, what's in it for me, Lord? Because in those times of prayer, I can say, God, I don't see what I'm getting out of this. And sometimes I think about the Israelites, because when they were traveling in the 40 years in the wilderness, and Moses was up in Mount Sinai with the Lord, Aaron was down there below, and he didn't know what to do. The people were getting restless, waiting for Moses to come down. And they say, wait a minute, what's in it for us? Where are we going next? And they wanted another image or another God. And Aaron gave in. And they created this image, a gold image of a calf, just so they could worship for a moment until Moses comes down. They were complaining. And we know in, in, in Numbers 11, they wanted to go back to Egypt. They said, let's go back to Egypt. We had three square meals right now. We're barely eating. It's complaining. 
God even said that's evil in his ears. So we know we're ahead of God sometimes when we complain because we're asking, what's in it for me? See, God's trying to tell his people, get behind me so I can lead you. Get behind me because you don't know what's ahead of you. You don't know what forward is, but I sure know what forward is. I'm God. I promised it to you. I've set up the plan. I've told you I'm going to do it. I'm 100% proof, guarantee that it's going to happen. So we know we're behind God when we follow his commandments because we show love in a relationship. Third, we know we are behind God when we follow the leader. Now, I don't know if you remember this or not. I don't think we're too old to remember this. When we were in kindergarten, what did we used to say? Well, we used to hear the kindergarten teacher say, follow the leader, follow the, who was the leader? I want to be the leader today. I want to be the leader today. And every day someone would be a new leader. But what the leader didn't realize, the five-year-old, is that you have to walk in a straight line behind the teacher because the teacher has to lead first. You try to let a five-year-old go, and it's going to be chaos. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Kindergarten Cop years ago, but if you want Arnold Schwarzenegger to be your kindergarten teacher, I can assure you it's going to be crazy because he had to get a whistle to calm the kids down after you realize that little kids are not going to follow the leader unless you have a leader. And so... The third thing that you know when you're behind God is when you're following a leader. Here, look at this now. When, it, when it's understood here, and look with me at chapter 1, verse 16. This was the response of the people after they were told that God would be before them and that he had promised. Look with me at verse 16 in chapter 1. This is the, this is the people answering Joshua. God has appointed Joshua to be their leader. Joshua never commanded anything outside of what God told him to say. Why? Because he would be killed if he did. The scriptures are clear on that in Deuteronomy 18. False prophets would be killed if they spoke in their own terms or for their own initiative. So chapter chapter 1, verse 16, this is what the people said. And they answered Joshua, all that you have commanded us, we will do. Wow, I would love to hear that from my kid. And whatever you send us, we will go. Wow, I'd still love to hear that from my kid. Just as we have obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Wow. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. So God told them to be strong and courageous. The people supported him and said, be strong and courageous. We will follow you, Joshua, our leader. I can assure you if Joshua could speak even at that moment it was recorded, he'd say, man, that feels really good. Boy, the people are behind God and behind me as appointed by God. That's a great thing for a leader to sense. But here's the thing about leaders. Leaders need to be good followers before they become leaders. In fact, they can't be unless they're good followers. I can't be a good leader unless I'm a good follower but I must be a good follower of God before I can lead anyone. I can't lead anyone unless I'm following God. That's a character issue. And I am not, according to the scriptures, to lord over my leadership to anyone. Otherwise, why? Because God will hold me accountable. In fact, let me tell you something. The people of God don't have to hold their leaders accountable because God has to hold them accountable first. So if, if if a leader is following, he's being held accountable or her. 
in whatever type of work you're doing, whether in a church setting, at work, in your neighborhood, in your homes, I have to follow the leader, and that's the Lord. I can't demand something from my children if I'm not doing it myself. That's a principle in my life. I don't expect people to do anything I don't expect myself to do. But I know I'm before God or behind God, I mean, not before him, when I'm following him. See, you know when you're ahead of God, when you want to be a great leader, but you're not willing to follow. That's when you know that you're ahead of God. So the accountability isn't from the people of God, first before it's God himself. I'm so thankful the Holy Spirit holds me accountable. Because you have no idea what I go through. You don't know the thoughts that I have, but you know what? God knows those thoughts and he holds me accountable. You don't know what I've traveled through and what the challenges and all that, but God does and he holds me accountable. Why? Because I'm presenting his word. This is his word. It's not any one of yours or mine. This is his word. This is his holy word. This is his church. These are his people. This is his gospel. It's not mine. I'm accountable to him. And leaders are accountable to God. But every one of us is a follower. And that's a great aspiration to have because if you can follow well, you're going to lead well. That's what Joshua did. But what happened to Moses? Moses was a great leader. But what was his demise? He didn't follow God's directions and lost out on the promised land because he didn't follow directions. That one time, God said, you will not see it, Joshua will. And we know in the book of Joshua is mentioned 14 times out of the 18 times in the Old Testament, Moses is mentioned. Joshua's only mentioned once because Joshua spoke highly of Moses, even though he fell. And see, this is why it's important that when we're held accountable as leaders, that we need to be supported just like Joshua was. It must have felt great for Joshua to hear that the people say, hey, you know what? We're going to do whatever you tell us to do. And anyone who comes against you, we'll be putting them to death. So we don't want any funerals here. We just want to be able to follow. We have to be good followers of God. We're all accountable to God. We need to do that. So nobody's out of that. But here's, I think this is the ticket here in Joshua 3. Verse 5. Then Joshua said to the people, and there is another command. This is God. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. This was what was told to them prior to the Red Sea. We are to clean ourselves before God. We must get behind God. We must lodge out at the east side of the river and consecrate ourselves. No one of us can say that we have a demand above anyone else because we have to answer to God. So he's saying, consecrate yourselves before the Lord, because I'm going to do wondrous things. And what do we know that God's doing? We know that it's coming. He's about to part the Jordan River. That's the wondrous thing, the amazing thing of God. See, too often what we do is we, we want to get ahead. But God's saying, you want to get ahead? You got to do it while you get behind me. I'm your leader. I know what's forward. I know what's ahead. Consecrate yourself. Follow my presence. Follow my commands. Follow the leader. I'm going to do a wonderful, amazing things. Listen, obviously you guys are in a situation. I have been here for 17 months about to leave. I want to share a few comments. First of all, 
we as leaders make a lot of mistakes. Amen? Come on, help me out a little bit. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Come on, you ask my mother or my kids right now, mom, dad, make mistakes. You're like, heck yeah. Come on, I mean, let's be honest here, okay? We all make mistakes, right? But aren't we thankful, though, that God gives us second and third and fourth chances and the fifth, the sixth, the seventh are going down? But let me encourage you. It's not easy being a leader of a church, of an association, organization, in your home, wherever. And even in this context, it's obvious I've been here for 17 months. You guys have gone through a very trying time in the last five years or so, more or less. And we've noticed it's a little bit even longer. But in the last two or three years, you've been walking through a wilderness. You're wondering, when in the world are we going to finally get some grasp here? Well, listen. Leaders make mistakes. But I can assure you, and I'm not saying this to get any brownie points because I really don't care. I think you guys have known enough of me that I don't care much about that. But I've worked with these men. I can assure you of this. They have prayed. They have sought the Lord. They have not come into a meeting with their own intentions. They went way farther than I expected them to go and even the center. We've had the privilege to coach them along and help them. They have done their very best. I'm not here to sound like I'm being Mr. Positive. I think you can be assured of that. But I'm proud of them. And I, I want to encourage you. Support them. Just like Joshua was supported. They need that. You can disagree. I disagree with my wife often. She disagrees with me more often than I do with her. But you know what, though? We love each other. We're committed to each other. Aren't, don't you guys have relationships here where you disagree with your spouse? Can I get a what, what? Okay, all right. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. Let me be honest here. Just because you disagree with each other doesn't mean that you have to beat each other up. Encourage one another. Support even if you don't. I want to encourage you today. Go up to one of the leaders and just put your arm around saying, I appreciate what you're doing. I'm, I'm sure it's hard. Pray for them. Encourage them. They're not superhuman. They have feelings too. We as pastors are not superhuman. We have feelings too. We're men. We're men. We need support too. Everybody needs a support. You got to encourage them. You got to lift them up. Because God wants to do amazing things through here. Let me, I'm not going to mince any words here. God put something in front of you. He's put something in front of you. Because it's his church. No one looked for this. He's put it in front of you. They're praying and seeking and asking God. Let God do his work through you. You're not left behind. Not one person was left behind on the east side of the river. They all went forward. They all mattered to God equally. You and all of you and all of us are equal before God. He loves us all the same. He doesn't love us anymore if we do more for him. You're equally important. So when you cross that river into a promised land that God has for you, receive it. There are people in this world lost who need Jesus. And this is the place, one of the places God's established here in America to say, let's be a light to the world. But you can't if there's so much going on in here, you're not putting your energy out there. You encounter people that none of us can encounter. But you have an opportunity. 
you're all valuable. You're all going to be used of God today as much as you will tomorrow if you allow yourself to be used. This is the cool thing. God wants to do amazing things. We don't even know what's ahead of us. We have no idea. We don't know what he's going to do. But when he does it, he gets all the glory anyway. Nobody gets the glory but him. We just tag along and get the, we get the benefits of his glory. So I want to encourage you. Let's get behind God. Let's let him lead us. Then we'll get ahead. We'll move forward. It won't be easy. You're going to hit potholes. You're going to hit waves. It's going to be stormy. It's going to be difficult. You're going to feel like you didn't have enough to eat, like my kids. And you're going to sit there and say, why, Lord, why? And God's going to say, I still have you. I'm God. I haven't changed. I've let the sun to stand still, parted the Red Sea, parted the Jordan. I've raised the dead and brought them to life. I'm God. I can do anything I want to do. I'm creator God of this universe. He's given us the privilege to, to know him. So I want us to take a moment right now. I want us to take a short moment to pray. And I want you to bow your heads. I also want to offer this to you too. I'm going to ask Keith to come up. I didn't plan this. Keith, if you could just, just softly tickle the ivories. And uh, what we want to do is have this place for anyone who wants to come and consecrate themselves before the Lord. No one needs to see. No one needs to look. We're going to have eyes closed. Don't peek up. And as he's just playing softly, he could still play softly while we pray together. We're going to take a moment and pray. And you're going to hear some prayers out loud. But just say, God, how can I get behind you rather than ahead of you? So I want to encourage you, um, as we go into prayer, let's have a heart surrender to God. So let's bow our heads. And if you can make it up here, it would be great because I'll, I'll bow before the Lord with you. So let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity of prayer. We pray for the leaders in this church. We ask that you would continue to be with them as decisions are going to be made shortly in the coming weeks. Lord, this is your church. These are your people. This is your word. It's not it for any of us to claim outside of you. The history that's been displayed here, Lord, is your history, not ours. Lord, we are simply man. We'll enter into your presence when you call on us to do so. And so, Lord, we pray that in these short moments that we would look to you in prayer and to cry out to you in our hearts saying, God, help us. Lead us forward, Lord. Lead Bethlehem Church forward to what you want it to become. Who cares what name is on this building so long as it's the gospel of Jesus Christ reaching lost souls so they can come to saving faith and reach others for that same manner. God, we just pray that you would do that work as we look to you this morning.